This is CJSF 90.1 FM Burnaby, the campus community radio station of Simon Fraser University. We stream online at cjsf.ca. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and listen to podcasts of CJSF programs on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash cjsfradio. Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Alex. We are joining you live from Luca's Kitchen and one of our pre-recorded episodes for you. Um, today we've got a topic that um, is much on my mind at this moment. We were just having a quick little chat about, as we usually do, if it's going to be a conversation between the two of us, but what are we experiencing right now? What maybe is something that we're learning about? What are we struggling with personally or together? And... Um, I was just mentioning about how I've been feeling very, like I'm holding on by the edge of my fingertips in life. Like I'm on a very fast ride, like one of those merry-go-rounds and, you know, you're starting to feel like you're getting thrown off and you're Yeah, the clinging. centrifugal force is, is oh, yeah. throwing my, you out of the teacup. My feet are way out. <laughs> <laughs> just yes. my fingertips holding on. And it's not because anything's necessarily going bad. There's just no. so much going on that keeping my finger on all of the pulses and then I keep I've gotten sick twice in a couple of weeks I had to make a trip with a family member it's just there's a lot of things that are taking time and energy away and I was saying to Luca about how I'm feeling frustrated because what I know myself or my optimal self to be capable of doing is not what I'm able to bring to the table right now and so I'm getting farther behind and far behind and yeah you called it the optimal eye <coughs> as in the letter I, yeah, and that, and, and you're recovering <laughs> from a cold, and so therefore the cough, and <laughs> and and one of the things that happens when we're trying to be our optimal selves and we're we're pushing those limits is that our bodies stand up and say, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> no, no, not that way. You've now exceeded the limits. Um, of what is safe and comfortable for you. And so we're, if you're not taking time out, we're going to make you take time out. Yeah, I got forced into time out this week for sure. But that's not pleasant. And it doesn't seem to work very well because um, it doesn't... Um, it does, We did a show on, on rest not yes. that long ago. Yes. And when you're forced into recuperation... It's not really the same as proactive rest. No. no. Uh, so it's one of those things where it's not as good as if I could have caught it earlier. Um, instead of playing catch up even in recuperation. Yeah. So re rest that's intentional is different than rest that's forced. Yeah. Even if we're doing our own forcing. So, and I think... When when I talk to people who've learned a lot from their own lives about what happened when they didn't take enough rest, when they drove th themselves, what what they all say is what I what I should have done is feed myself better and give myself more rest, more sleep. Right. Not just I mean rest doesn't have to be sleep. Right. But 
um, this... non non pressured or non productive. Yeah, doings. Yeah, so I was doing. I I've been trying to put more of that intentional rest into into my life, and and you know I don't know that I want to talk about rest today, but more about um. What makes for the optimal eye? Yeah. Like, what does it take for the optimal eye to be able to optimize? <laughs> right? So why don't we start, Luca, what does optimal eye look like for you? Like, what is, what do you consider to be your best functioning self that you kind of hold well, up as the, this is the, how I should yeah, be most of the time? There's the sneaky one, <laughs> right? The sneaky one is the one that tries to convince me that there's a set of standards that I should be living up to. And that if I don't, I'm letting the side down, and I get I get the the list of critique. Right, you're you're not being responsible. You're not being caring enough. You're not being empathic enough. You're not like oh, I'm. It's the not enough list. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the too much list. You're too X, Y, and Z. Right, and that's different than the real optimal I, which is the one that says to me that I, I. I'm at my best when I'm in alignment with who I really am and who I really am, I'm, I'm making air quotes around mm-hmm. it, is the, is the part that's lined up with my higher self, with my life intention. And increasingly of late, I've been noticing that it's the part of me that's aligned with being a multidimensional being as opposed to being a three-dimensional being. And and I don't think that necessarily applies to everybody. And it's not that one is better than the other, but one is better than the other for me. So when I'm in that multidimensional side of myself, I'm not worried about time. I, I, I know that time is time and space are not what we think they are, which is what I say all the time. And And if they're not what we think they are, this is a, a really interesting concept. My guides have been saying to me, we've bent time. Time has now been bent. And what that means in your everyday life is that you don't any longer have to fear that you can't get everything done. That there isn't enough time. So if we were to look at that in terms of you running an Airbnb and that you've got to get all these beds changed in a certain amount of time before you go and pick somebody up or you, you know, make a call or, or, you know, get something done at the bank or whatever it is. If we know that time can be expanded and contracted, then all we have to do is set our intention that there is enough time to gracefully do all of this and there will be enough time to gracefully do it all and we don't even need to know necessarily how it's going to happen I mean it might be that somebody comes along and says oh I'll do that bed for you Uh, but it might equally be that one person that night cancels right and you get a double booking for another night that makes up for it right but but we, but we assume, we come from, from that beginning place of not enough. There won't be enough. There's not enough of me to go around. There's not enough time for me. There's not enough energy for me. There's not enough attention for me. I don't have enough attention for other people. And so from that lack place, we worry. Yeah. 
I've been finding a slightly different. I, I, I do feel. That. I mean, I should say I worry. Yeah, and I should. Right? And, I, and I can. And what you're describing is is a, a real state. I've mm-hmm. been in that state, and I know many other people who've been in that state and yeah. frequently. And yes, it's not the only one. It's not the only one. No, and I think there's been this interesting tug of war these days where I actually start from the positive, which is. I believe I do have enough energy to do all of the things and I'll set things up. Uh, I'll make commitments. For the optimal. Yes, exactly. For the (laughs) optimal. And I, I'm wondering now as we're sitting here and I'm actually looking at it, because you know how much of this goes on in the back of our minds? Oh yeah. It runs as a tape at the back. Yeah. Now that I'm actually looking at it, I think my optimal eye is based on like my, uh, peak performance days, which are not necessarily all the time at all, but that's the optimist in me. Mm-hmm. And it, re- it reminds me of uh, a study they dis- they did uh, recently that was around people who are chronically late. Mm-hmm. And that it was... They're optimists. They're optimists. It, I found myself in this study because mm-hmm. it was saying that the brain encodes... If you're an optimist, the brain encodes mm-hmm. your most, most optimum, your best time... Mm-hmm in terms of traveling somewhere and it, and it sort of records that in your brain as that's how long it takes, Mm -hmm. but that's not the case on any days when you have to encounter any obstacles or difficulties, but you're only, your brain plans for the optimal time. So my brain is planning for optimal me (laughs) all the time, (laughs) but then I'm showing up not in optimal health, not in optimal energy, not in optimal, um, landscape of life. Yes. Attention, brain fog sets in all of these different things. And I can make myself be wrong about those things, but that as soon as I look at it, it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Obviously these are natural body, physiological and mental responses to things that are going on in my life and in my body and Mm -hmm. et cetera. So Mm -hmm. making myself wrong doesn't fix anything. It doesn't change anything, but it Makes you feel it does show that I'm, (laughs) it's like, which ruler am I using? Which ruler am I using in order to decide how much I can fit in a day? Which ruler am I using to decide whether I am doing my best? Yeah. And which ruler are you using to measure yourself if you don't meet any of those standards, obligations, uh, promises, hopes, wishes, dreams, whatever. Right? Yeah. So if I actually sit down and I think, well, what, what is this optimal I that I was referring to when I said that? And again, it comes down to like my best day. So the days that I'm feeling clear as a bell, I don't feel the need to go and take a nap because I'm not feeling exhausted. There's no sickness that's lingering. My body's feeling strong. Um, no crises interrupt during the day. Um, and therefore I'm able to kind of zoom through, do all of the things get from place to place. I've got my full team is on deck. The kids are delegating well. Partner is working in tandem. All of these things. So those are great days. And then you say, and why can't I do this every day? Right. Right. Which is another form of, of ruler. Yeah. It is. It's right? true. If it's possible one day, why wouldn't it be possible all of the days? And I don't think that's a really helpful measurement tool for myself. I'm setting myself up for difficulties. So then there's the, then I ask myself, well, what do I want to be my optimal eye? What, what actually, I mean, is that really what I consider my op, 
me being in my optimum and no. <laughs> so here's where I'm playing. And that is how am I making the decisions in my life about what's what's right in any given moment so that I can adjust. So if if that's a form of feedback to myself and the and the term feedback came from the rocket program in the I think it was 50s, 40s and 50s. And it was and it was talking about the the um the signal that's fed back from a rocket that we shoot up into into space to tell us what the trajectory is and therefore where it's heading. And and that feed according to that feedback we can adjust the trajectory of the rocket, right? So if we do the same thing with ourselves and we're pointed towards optimal eye, then I'm giving myself feedback, right, about about whether I'm uh, about what and yeah, we're we're doing song selection here in the background <laughs> as you can hear. Um, I'm giving myself feedback and therefore adjusting my course. Yeah. So if if I uh, so then I have to say, well, what am I using as my uh, feedback mechanism? Right. So if my feedback mechanism is, am I accomplishing everything on my list, then I'm not going to feel very good. No. If my feedback mechanism is, do I feel gracefully aligned? Mm -hmm. Am I in the flow? Um, do I feel the most me? Or am I resisting what I have to do? Then... I'm correcting in a whole different way. Right. I'm correcting back into who am I, how do I want to feel, um, as opposed to am I getting everything done. And I and there's nothing wrong. I mean, we all live in a world where we have to get things done, mm -hmm. right? But but we need to get things done with it because I'm coming back to the time thing again because I've got this flashing light over my head that keeps <laughs> saying to me time is a critical factor here. Yeah. If I have to get that list of things done, where those obligations met, or those promises fulfilled, within a particular time frame, as soon as I bend time, then I've got more grace. I've got more leeway. I've got time to assess whether I'm in alignment with who I am and who I really want to be. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I can shift. For, and this is for me, I can shift how I'm looking at it. What's the frame I've got on this picture? Um, so one of the things I'm looking at at the moment is that m my mother went through a fire in the building in which she was living. Mm -hmm. She's been living at my brother's place for four and a half months now and has not been able to find a place to live that's optimal for her. Mm. And... I don't live in that neighborhood. I'm not most familiar with it. And uh, I don't want to take over what is her life, whatever it is she's doing. I don't want to disempower her by stepping in and taking over something. Mm -hmm. So, But I'm carrying around this feeling of maybe I'm not being a very good daughter. Maybe I'm not being... Very smart. And so there's the, then there's the whole not enough tape running, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. If I look at this as, I reframe it and I say, everything 
every I know that when I'm in my optimal place, when I'm in optimal eye, I know that everything that's happening is happening the way it's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And I, by supposed to, I mean that it's working out in the way that each one of us involved in this needs it to work out for an end point that we don't, we might not even be able to articulate yet. Mm -hmm. But, but it wouldn't be unfolding this way if it weren't, if there weren't something optimal about it. Right. So if I look at it that way, then I can realign myself and say, okay, if that's the end I'm working towards, mm -hmm. then what do I need to remember to, in order to realign myself so that I'm not judging myself against this list of standards where I'm, I'm determining that I'm not measuring up. Mm-hmm. Because that's what causes the stress for me, mm -hmm. right? That's the not I'm not I'm not measuring up to optimal I. Yeah. According to that list, so so I can change the whole list. I can rearrange my priorities. I can do something differently. But I know from from sixty years on the planet that that doesn't work well for me. I mean, it 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 alters things by a degree or two, but not enough. Mm -hmm. But if I reorient into well, who am I? And what do I know? Because you always laugh about this and say, what do you know, right? Mm -hmm. What I know is that everything's unfolding the way it's supposed to. Right. So if that's the case and I shift back into that, I re-empower myself. I feel like just by talking about this, I need, I want to challenge mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. and like the back talk in the back of my brain. Mm -hmm. Because the fact that this phrase, optimal eye, even popped out of my mouth as soon as I look at it, that's mm -hmm. not my optimal self. It's not, there's not mm -hmm. really any part of me that considers super high productive power, Rebecca, mm -hmm. to be my optimal, optimal eye. No. no, no, that's just super powerful, productive Rebecca. And yes, yeah. I do achieve that on, uh, I, I want to call it, I achieve that on off days. Yeah. I want to yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. actually kind of realigns the perspective a little bit. Yeah. That's a rarity and it's yeah. not actually something I'm shooting for all the time. That's no. just like a, wow, look yeah. at that. That was a time bent day. Oh yeah. That yeah. was a day yeah, yeah. when yeah. time was bent. So if we assume we can have time bent every day. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I still want to keep that phrase optimal eye and I want to mm -hmm. make a new list. Yes. I want to make a redefine list. It. So what it, what it redefine it. Right? And my optimal eye chooses to look at the big picture, chooses mm -hmm. to have grace for myself. Yes. Chooses. And real rest. Chooses real rest. Chooses the nap mm -hmm. <laughs> rather than just yeah. pushing through, soldiering yeah. through yeah. at the yeah. cost of something deeper yeah. in my body. Naps are not lost time. Ap naps yeah. naps are, are a, an opportunity to realign. I remember years ago, because I've napped for forever, yes. like since we've known each other, yeah. I am yeah. a napper. And I can remember once early in our friendship, um, we'd had a conversation and you had, you did a little bit of reading on the spot and we both realized that my naps were me connecting in with a mothership. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's basically taking, taking all the psychological processing that has been going on or the input yeah. Taking it up to the bigger, the bigger unit, you could say. Yeah. Giving it time. The optimal to perspective. Yes. <laughs> to get that optimal perspective and to let things process. These days, I've been doing a lot of yoga nidra during the nap time. Mm -hmm. And I do it grac graciously. I don't do it 
religiously where I'm requiring myself to no. wake up again. At you, the give end your, of the, you give yourself you the option of it and taking what you need and, and making it work for you. Allowing it yeah. to go into some kind of a sleep if that's what my body needs. But yeah. frequently my body, it really enjoys just the physical suspension combined with the mental, the purposeful mental releasing and well, meta level perspectiving. Well, that's the brilliant thing about yoga nidra. If, and for any of you who are listening out there who don't know what yoga nidra is, mm-hmm. it's a form of um, of waking sleep, if you like. Yeah. It's um, it's a way to shift yourself into a slightly altered state, where you um, you have the the opportunity to touch in with all the different levels of yourself and optimize them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it. It sometimes feels like sleep, although as soon as you get to the end of the session, you're you're likely to wake up, right? right. Because quote unquote wake up because it's not you're not in the same kind of sleep that you're in when you go to sleep and snore and yeah. uh, wake up the next morning. It's a different kind of almost nap like yeah. sleep. For me, it it can be quite nap like. I it, mm-hmm. I go into the nap entirely different because mm-hmm. of the guidance of yes. y- and setting an intention before you go in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But um, yeah, there is there is a powerful rejuvenation that yeah. happens. Yes, and it's been a really helpful tool yeah. to add into my and a relaxing my, uh, of the parasympathetic toolkit. nervous system, yes. right? And, which gives us true rest. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, d- depending on how wound up you are <laughs> Com- before you go in, it compared- can be better or worse. But well, it's yeah. usually a guided. Um, physical relaxation coupled mm-hmm. with a guided mental yes emotional go, spiritual right yeah so I, I mean just to contrast that with the other day when I desperately needed some sleep and I <laughs> I got the sleep I needed I remember waking up from it still completely tensed and I wrote my partner saying I clung to that sleep like a barnacle to a <laughs> ship I was so yeah. going to get that sleep and I had my hands were in fists, yes. and I yeah. had an earplug in one ear because I was trying to block everything out. My face was mashed into my yeah. pillow, and I was yeah. curled into a ball because I was tr- I was needing to be that protective. And it's a different kind of sleep it than you not- get when you're. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, it still helped, but yes, you know, con- contrasting that with the deliberate, restful, letting go. And restore restoration that happens in yoga nidra. I have a perfect story about that. Yesterday, I was doing yoga nidra with Camelia Rumball, whom we've had on the show, and it was in it was close to downtown, and and we were hanging in what she's calling cocoons. They're silks that are hanging from the ceiling, and so you you end up in in the same kind of position that you were just saying, almost fetal position, right? But but not tense because you're hanging from the ceiling. And you're not that far off the floor. It's not like if you fell out of this thing, you'd hurt yourself. Right. You could just roll out onto the floor. But you're not touching the floor. So we were in this sort of suspended place where we were floating around the room in bliss while she's talking us into this thing. And I could hear in the background a huge number of sirens. Oh. And they weren't disturbing me out of the state that I was in because I had been so efficiently led into this right. that it was, you know, we were all still floating around, right? It's very meditative. But there were, like, there were sirens right outside the building. Wow. And whipping by. 
So we got to the end of this thing and we all packed up our blankies and our mm -hmm. everything and, and put all our rain gear back on and went out into the street and I went and stood at the bus stop and the bus didn't come. So we were asking about, you know, has the bus been by lately and the woman sitting under the bus shelter said, oh, the buses aren't going this way right now. There's been a shooting up the street. Oh my gosh. Like oh. two blocks up the street, there'd been a shooting. Oh, wow. And that's what all the sirens oh, were. Oh, man. But what's interesting that relates back to what you're saying, I mean, I like to think that we were holding bliss right. in the city at the time that it needed it right. to counteract the shooting that was going down down the street and the energy around this, the energy around me coming into this yoga nidra session and the energy of me coming out of it were, like, I, I could feel nice. this jangle. It was right. awful. Yeah. That was not in the session. Right. Even with the sirens. Right. But when, when we come back to this idea of what kind of um, space you go into when you when you do something like, and it could be yoga nidra, it could be a meditation, mm -hmm. it could be like whatever it is that accesses that place for you. Some people get it as a runner's high. Yeah. Like it, whatever it is, it allows us to suspend all the stuff that's going on around us while we stay anchored in this place that is optimal for us. Right. And nobody decides what it is for us, mm -hmm. right? For each person mm -hmm. who is participating in this, that that place is their place. Mm -hmm. Even though we're all doing it together yeah. in some cases, right? It's not for you when you're doing a nap. You're not doing it with other people. But yeah. five-year-olds all laid out on their mats in their kindergarten right? class. They're this all doing it together. Yeah. I wonder what happens then. Mm -hmm. So for anybody who's just joining us, uh, this is Rebecca and Luca with Essential Conversations. We're talking to ourselves this week about the concept of optimal eye. So this is just a phrase we stumbled across when we were talking about what to talk about today. And the idea that we are measuring ourselves against some kind of Something. optimal version of ourself and falling short. And what it, what is that all about? Kind of exploring all of this. It mm. feels like it might be a good time to go to a song. It's an excellent time so, to go to a song. I think I'm going to choose um, the first one as Ode to a Friend by Jan Arden. And the reason I'm choosing this song is it is a, a beautiful, it's got almost like a lullaby quality. There's something very gentle and compassionate about it. There's a sense that um, Jan is singing to a friend who's struggling. And it, it is, it's a message of compassion and permission to be as they are and to receive from the friendship, what they need in this moment. And I'd like us to listen to it from the perspective of we're singing this to ourselves in our current moment. That perhaps even it's our optimal self, our real optimal self, that's singing it to us. Yeah. Any moment I like that we're that feeling idea. like we're, that we're falling short. So let's take a listen to Jan Arden's Ode to a Friend, and we'll be right back in just a few minutes. I don't mind if 
Welcome back. We just listened to Jan Arden's Ode to a Friend. Uh, you're listening to Rebecca and Luca here on Essential Conversations. As we dive back in, I would like to take a minute to acknowledge that we are broadcasting fr- live uh, from unceded ancestral territory with the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Salish. What that means to me in taking a moment to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded ancestral territory is that I am a settler here, orienting myself on my, uh, you could call it, visitor status, and that um, the people of the land who have been here and who have been the stewards of the land far longer than we even have a concept of what it means to belong to the land for, they've got a connection with the land, they know what to do with it, They their wisdom of this land far supersedes anything that I'm bringing to the table. And it's my position to step back and to listen. Today we're talking about Optimal Eye, and uh, Jan Arden's song was meant to be a little soothing for the spirit song to our... a, a song of compassion to ourselves when we're perhaps not living up to whatever it is that we think we should be living up to in any moment. But we're really coming out to a place in this conversation of what does our optimal eye look like? And, you know, there's a there's an exercise that, that we learned when we were doing coach training, Luca. Um, the one with the gold rope. Do you remember that? Future self-visualization? Oh, yeah. So it's one I use with my clients fairly frequently, at least once during sessions with them. Not every session, but, you know, during the length of time working with them, where, where we put them into some relaxation. We, I walk them through imagining that they're um, looking at themselves from outside their body. So sort of stepping outside of themselves and then going up into the atmosphere and coming down at some time in the future that they choose five years, 10 years, and they suddenly encounter a future version of themselves. And it becomes this usually an incredibly positive and powerful interaction with a future self that is on the other side of whatever hurdles and challenges and pitfalls and things that they're experiencing right now. And I kind of feel like that's what we're trying to do with this conversation is hook into that part of ourselves that is the wiser part, the wiser part, the deeper part, the part that knows Mm -hmm. the part that trusts, the part that can see farther than we can see in this moment. That's the part that has compassion for for who we are and what we're trying to do right here in the moment. And you know, 
And there's, there's a side to compassion that's about boundaries. Because one of the things that optimal I, real optimal I, does for myself is to say no. Mm-hmm. Even to my and own self. And know and mean it and hold it. Yeah. Sometimes it's to costs to, you know, requests for access to me, my energy, my time, whatever. Sometimes it's even just choices that I make that are not the best ones for myself in a moment. Things that I will eat, things that I will do that that end up not restoring my energy or taking it in other ways, but that feel easy in the moment. Or that were a compromise, right? That you hoped would bridge the gap. Yeah. 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 So it's... That makes me think of Brene Brown did a lot of work around both boundaries and compassion and how they intersect mm-hmm. with each other, right? Mm-hmm. That concept is so important that we can have our greatest compassion when we are also our most boundaried because boundaries mm-hmm. are set according to what what does keep us optimal. Well, and I recognize that I'm often in setting my own boundaries, trying to respect other people's boundaries at the same time, trying to... Um, come to a compromise that would serve both of us. Um, And while that's laudable in some ways, in other ways, I can't determine what works for someone else. I just need to be really clear about what my boundaries are. I might need to share that with someone, and then maybe together we can come up with a compromise. But I can't come up with a compromise for someone else. Mm -hmm. I can't take care of both of our needs necessarily at the same time, although I might carry some awareness of what somebody else's needs might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that we can do this omnipotent, um, take care of everybody kind of thing. I don't know that from this three-dimensional earth suit self down here, I can work from that place. Right. I can have, I can carry the intention that this is going to be graceful for everyone. Right. But, but not, how it's going to do it, I right. don't need to necessarily know. Taking on personal responsibility mm-hmm. of creating that for everyone. No. That no. that's that's where we are equating optimal with omnipotent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on on one level I believe that we all are omnipotent, but it's what we do with it that and and what responsibilities we take on because we think of that. And I kind of like I like what you're saying. And it feels more, more, more accurate for me if I say, I am a part of the omnipotent. So I am connected to the omnipotent, but not all Mm -hmm. the omnipotence is done through me, if that makes sense. Well, if we look at... It's like I'm hooked into it. I can, yeah. I can, I can participate in its creations. I can access some of that wisdom some of that energy that is beyond my own self. Um, but it's not by these physical hands that the omnipotent stuff all happens. Well, and I think we also have a definition of omnipotence that, I mean, I think of it as, and maybe I've redefined it for myself because I often <laughs> do that with words, right? But okay, om- tell me omni is, is all. All, like all, all, but also all different ways. And oh. potent is that feeling that I am empowered and I can make a difference, right? And as uh, if I if I think of it as the opposite of omnipotence is impotence. Right. 
So it's so I was looking for a word that was the opposite of impotent because when I'm frustrated and stymied and and worried and all of that, I feel impotent. So I thought, well, okay, the opposite is potent. Well, but potent didn't didn't do it. It didn't it didn't get me to where I needed to be. I mean, potent means that something has strength. But omnipotent meant that I could rise up above the current situation into what we talked about earlier, which is that bigger, broader perspective. And <laughs> that's the omni place, right? Yeah. Um, and so... That metapotent. <laughs> yes, in a way. But we don't have a word, well, that word, I right? We could create one. Because, yeah, omnip- omnipotent generally means all-powerful, I think is the most accurate. Yes, but we could, if, we, if we say many powerful as opposed yeah. to all powerful Multipotent. right yeah <laughs> then then it's it's the, being able to access my position of potency yeah be, uh, whatever that is for me and as an expression of this all that is yeah uh, universal kind of energy and that right? we are potent in many different ways in many different we, ways we do yes. have power yeah. in many different yeah. ways yeah and I think that's very helpful when we are feeling stuck. We may be feeling impotent, but it may be in relation to a specific thing. And we are allowing that specific thing's situational impotence to define us in that moment. Yeah. As feeling powerless, feeling unable to move and stuck. And my way out of that position is to remind myself of the omni aspects of me mm-hmm. right the the meta aspects the part of me that's bigger than the situation mm-hmm. and i don't mean bigger as in more important i mean bigger as in has more options is is more self-empowered mm-hmm. um so that i can remi- remind myself of the choices that i have available to me because one of the things that happens when i'm feeling impotent is i don't feel like i have any choices at all mm-hmm. Like, it's all wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not working. I, I keep thinking about how I've got this list of things up on my board in my kitchen. That's I called it this menu great of list. possibilities. Yeah. It's been there since I moved in. It's been there five years. And it was, it, was my, it was a declaration of intention, but it was also a reminder to help me ground into principles of, of life and living. How often learned. do you read it? It's there so constantly that I don't read it that often but I read it when I need to. Yes. Okay. So you know where to find it when you yeah. think you and feel you need it. I don't go to it to read it. It's one of those things that because it's in my kitchen up on my wall, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, that. And I'll take a read through and I'm like, oh, I needed to remember that one today. Yeah. But that's kind of an external one. <laughs> it's reminders of me to look at the situation around me, to look to remember what I know about the universe, what I know about myself, but what I know about human nature, what I know about the power that's greater than me. But I'm feeling like I want to write a new list. I want to write yep. a list of optimal eye characteristics to root back to remind into those yourself. when I'm feeling not optimal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what are some of the things that you might put 
on that list, the ones that are just coming to you off the top of your head. And, and we invite all of you out there. Yeah, Listeners, got, maybe you have your own list. Yeah, and feel free to, to, to borrow, because I think a lot of these things that we may stumble across, just Luke and I doing this for ourselves, will mm. be translatable for, for mm. a lot of other people. Mm. I'm thinking about... Um, I, I have cycles. I have seasons, just like the weather. And when I am hibernating, or in winter, or sick, or pulled back from other engagements that I might normally do, it does not equal dead, or dying. Or impotent. Or, you know, in, <laughs> invisible, or, yeah. or, you know, whatever, because we sometimes equate that in winter. Oh, everything's dead. And it's dead. No, it's doing something very important underground. Yeah, it's pausing. And in, in that, a way. And it's, it's a visible pause mm -hmm. for what we can see above. Yeah, but there's down the invisible stuff, level, the there's... the invisible level, stuff's going on. Yeah. And that's the personal challenge of, like, when we had our, our conversation about rest, about yeah. productivity isn't always what we consider productivity to be. So how, I just said a whole bunch of stuff. If I was to condense that into a statement, it would be, I have seasons, and even in my unproductive seasons, I am being productive on another level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, was, I was just staying with my friend, and she was making sauerkraut. And you, you chop up all the sauerkraut, and you put, it, you put it in a jar, and you put the lid on it, and you go away and leave it. And you yeah. don't want to be checking it too often. You need to leave it to do its thing. And it that looks like not doing anything. <laughs> but the sauerkraut is making itself from cabbage. Right. It's it and it's an it's an enzyme process, right? It's it's biological. But it needs a pause in which to accomplish that. Right. I mean, that's not the only example, but that's one that I it's remember like, just recently. It makes me think of rice, too. When you're cooking yeah. rice, you can't stir it. Most of them, you can't stir no, it. No, you, can't you open leave the, the pot on. you got to trust on. Yeah. the process. Oh, Otherwise, you keep letting the one. steam out of the pot. I feel like this is a whole other show we could do that. <laughs> Trusting the process. So, yes. because, oh, man, we're so we're so busy-focused. And that, that super productive um, Rebecca that mm -hmm. likes to appropriate the title of optimal I in my brain um, is all about doing right yes. and seeing results mm -hmm. being able to check on it the whole like I asked you to do the thing is the thing done excellent yeah. we're good we're making progress but the trusting of a process involves setting something in motion and then walking so away. I'd like to throw the part in there about asking myself re reminding myself of what my intention is mm. And I'm not talking about it's my intention to clean the house. I'm talking about the those higher level intentions that I hold, um, the ones that are values based and meaning based, like it's my intention to help heal the planet. Right. Which sounds incredibly lofty and m maybe even omnipotent and ridiculous, but... If it, but it holds personal meaning for me. That makes that sounds like your intention, my intention, our intention holds mm -hmm. power, even when we are perhaps momentarily distracted, yes, or 
otherwise occupied or just exhausted. When my lid is or whatever. on. Or whatever. When my lid is on. And I can't see what's going on in the pot. <laughs> I like that. And I've got three teenage boys. The youngest right now is going through his growth spurt. He is growing like mad. But while he's asleep, right? This is when our bodies do these these great leaps and bounds. Both of my older sons, they grew in height so fast that their backs had stretch marks. Yes. I can't even fathom this. Their backs had stretch marks. Their bones were growing, shooting them up so well, high. Well, you know what? A lot of teenage girls get stretch marks on their hips at that age. Yes. Because true. we're changing shape. Whoop. Yeah, exactly. Right? But... So this, my point was not about the stretch marks. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. It it's about speed and, about, and when we do the growing. It is. It's about yes. when we do the growing. We do the growing when we are asleep or when we are resting. Yeah. And if we think about exercise as well, how important it is to have the rest days because our muscles will not repair. And the repairing is when they do the growing, they do the strengthening, they build the extra. The reoxygenating, the right. whatever. And more yeah. fibers, etc. Because it's like, oh, hey, okay, we're taking the programming from, oh, you needed all of this? Okay, we'll just build that in for the next time around so that it's ready for you. But it won't happen if we don't rest in between. So we are growing when we are at rest. And is my intention to be strong or fast, or is my intention to have all the resources I need in order to do whatever it is that's meaningful mm. for me, right? Mm. So I don't think that anybody comes into their life intending to be strong. Mm-hmm. I think on a, on a soul level, we're intending to heal, to, to learn, to teach, to grow, to... And... We might need to be strong in order to do that. And I like what you... You may be able to hear me scribbling some notes here. I'm trying to be very quiet as I do it, but... um, (laughs) On the kitchen table. (laughs) The kitchen table. Scritchy, scratch, scratch. Um, That makes me think of... When we're setting our intention, you were just kind of offering some guidance on that too, right? So is our intention that we do all of the things or that we do the important things or we do the things that are in alignment? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I think too many times we just get caught up on, well, we're 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 doing our best if we do all of the things. Well, no, no. Mm-mm. We got to be smarter, not work harder. Well, like, oh man, I'm yeah. reading a book. I'm reading a book. <laughs> I'm reading. Not that let's often let's that I read a book it. these I'm days. I'm reading. <laughs> I do learning all the time, but to actually sit down and read a book, my ADD brain it takes a lot. So I'm reading this book called Sapiens which some of our listeners may have read. It's become quite famous. I think it was recommended by somebody else on the show at some point, which is why I've now picked it up. Mm. And one of the things that it's really, really clearly expressing is how we have basically messed ourselves over, (laughs) the human race, by walking away from this lifestyle that worked for so many millennia for us. So many millennia. We used to just have to go out, collect our food, and then we'd have hours in the day. To just relate and play and rest because it really didn't take that much when you're not trying to maintain a a house Mm -hmm. or make things Mm -hmm. or work for someone else 
you know, we, when we started farming, when we started creating houses and dividing our communities and having labor and then hierarchies within society, we really, Specialization. pardon my language, we really effed ourselves over. And so the whole idea now, I mean, this is really connecting in with what we have been hearing bits and pieces of coming out through research is the idea of work less, we will do better for the earth. It actually makes sense when you get back to our very roots. We leave less impact when we simply exist for the purpose of just getting the things that we need that day. And when we can follow our food supply, right? If if you've got the world divided up into a patchwork quilt of countries and you're not allowed to move from one country to the other to live when your food supply dries up in one area because that happens all over the planet all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Then, then we can't we can't follow that, right? So, this fear causes us to compartmentalize our nations, and then from that fear place, we don't have enough abundance to be able to feed ourselves if conditions change around us in any yeah. given time. So that and that comes back to this idea of flow, right? That mm-hmm. if I'm in alignment, then I follow what my needs are. Mm-hmm. Instead of superimposing a should list on myself. Right. Yeah. Um, If I can be content to look at what life is right now and to say, are my needs being met? Are my children's needs being met? Uh, Yeah. On a day-to-day basis, they are. But then I've got this thing on the back of my head that said, well, yeah, but you should be saving for this or you should be planning for this or you should be taking care of this other thing. And I understand why that's there. But that kind of hooks into the idea of security, which I have, I am not convinced that a lot of the things that we think are, create security for ourselves actually Actually do. do. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So that puts a different spin on this list in the back of my head of things I should do that are really Mm -hmm. for security. Um, It's not that I don't want to feel secure. It's just that I don't really trust that security actually is what it looks like. Or that we're ever really secure about anything. Right. We, so we think we are. We're zooming with our time here. I think it's mm-hmm. good for us to play our second song here. And I think it hooks in nicely since we've just been spending time making our, our personal checklist of yes. what we actually want our optimal eye to, mm-hmm. to stand for mm-hmm. or to look like. So uh, the second song we've got for today is called Private Party by India Ari. And this one, uh, I like her intention with this song, so that fits right in there. It's the acknowledgement that um, there's a disconnect between how we think of and are relating to ourselves and how we want to think of and relate to ourselves. And we may not being, be being our loving best friend to our own self. We may actually be our own worst enemy. And so her private party is locking herself up in a room to get those messages realigned so that she is actually being a compassionate and supportive friend to herself. And I think, again, we can take that message in stride for ourselves. So we'll take a listen to this. We will rejoin uh, you here in the studio in just a few minutes, our listeners. And until then, enjoy India Re. I'm having a private party. Ain't nobody here but me, my angels, and my guitar singing. Baby, look how far we've come, yeah. I'm having a private party. Learning how to love me, celebrating the woman I've become, yeah. I tried to call my mother, but she didn't get where I was going. I called my boyfriend and he said, call me back a little late, baby. I hung up the phone, I felt so alone. Started to feel a little pity. 
That's when I realized that I gotta find the joy inside me. Yeah. I'm having a private party. Ain't nobody here but me, and my angels, and my guitar singing. Baby, look how far we've come. Yeah, I'm having a private party. Learning how to love me. Celebrating the woman I've become. Gonna take off all my clothes, look at myself in the mirror. We're gonna have a conversation, we're gonna heal the disconnection. I don't remember when it started, but this is where it's gonna end. My body is beautiful and sacred, and I'm gonna celebrate it. I'm having a private party, ain't nobody here but me, and my angels, and my guitar singing. Baby, look how far we've come, yeah. Welcome back. You're listening to Essential Conversations with Luca and Rebecca. We just listened to Private Party by India Ari. I like that song. It's got that upbeatness that helps me feel courageous and empowered and more in tune with my optimal eye. My optimal eye is kind of badass. It's not actually this taskmaster that I tend to think of when I've got this super productive Rebecca image that I'm trying to live up to. Optimal Eye Rebecca is badass, but she's also like, go take a nap. (laughs) Well, and she's gently guiding you all the time. And I think my optimal self gives me a nudge. And and if I don't listen to the nudge, she gets louder. Yeah. And more assertive. Mm. And starts throwing things at me. Um, Big hints from the outside world. Um books that fall off the shelf into my hand, those things that I call synchronicities. Um, and, and then if I'm really, really not listening and it's important enough, then maybe I get sick. Right. Or yeah. break a foot. Or <laughs> Oh, sweetheart. Yes. Know? Yes. Yes. It, it, it gets louder. It gets louder. Especially if we're still in accord with the principles that 
that w from from which those those hints and nudges come. So let's take this in a slightly different direction, because a lot of our focus right here is about how we can do better in this area, which better looks like more grace yeah. and more gentleness. More flow, so that's, that's more, a more alignment. positive, yeah. better. Yeah. But at the same time, what if we were to say, okay, so here we are right now in this day. We've already done a lot of this work. Where have we succeeded? Where are we already doing better yes. than we yes. were, say, five or ten years ago? And you know, something pops in my mind right mm -hmm. away. We met a guest recently, and um, don't need to say who it is, but mm -hmm. there was a side conversation that we had with this guest where they mentioned that about uh, my age, mm -hmm. when they were about my age, they got very, very ill. Mm -hmm. And as they said that, I remembered that t maybe 12 years ago, mm -hmm. I became aware that if I did not leave a marriage that I was not well suited for, mm -hmm. that I would get seriously ill. It was just mm -hmm. an intuition Thing? Yeah, it wasn't a. I was not actually you know, ill. Illness always results from. No, it, it was, was more just, like an announcement. Uh, yeah, it was a, an announcement in the back of my head of mm -hmm. Rebecca. It was like you know Tinkerbell ting on my mm -hmm. shoulder. Mm -hmm. You are going to get seriously ill mm -hmm. if you do not pay attention and take action on this. And I paid attention and I took action. And it was freaking hard. It was yeah, horrendously hard, difficult, scary, challenging. It was isolating and mm -hmm. and my life fell apart to fell to fall together, you know, all of those mm -hmm. things. But I never got seriously ill. And when I heard this person say that, I thought, oh, there's a parallel universe out there in which I didn't make that choice. Yeah. And I write right about now, it all falls to pot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and it was an awareness of, I, did I could the have hard chosen thing. differently. Yeah. And I, yeah. I did yeah. the hard thing. I yeah. showed up to do the hard thing for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not suffering in that way because mm -hmm. I, I did that. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for that right yes, now. Yes. That I, that I learned to listen to intuition and to accept its guidance, even when it's hard. How so, about you? What's something that you can well, acknowledge? Well, I can you? feel, I can feel when I, I, I'm listening to my intuition way more and, and, more subtly and and more deeply than I used to listen to it. And it's not that I wasn't listening to it before, but it is, I'm getting the subtleties. I'm reorienting back to what is my intuition telling me faster than I used to. It's, I don't have to spend as much time out of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, we have run out of time. <laughs> We've really enjoyed ourselves today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, for those of you listening, thank you for joining us as we did this wander around um, Optimal Eye. I hope we've given you some food for thought. We I, might have to come back to it in the future. We might have to. And until next time. I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahallux.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, 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 Happy, 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 happ